Happy first day of summer to everyone out there. And with that comes another player profile for an unrestricted free agent that's going to hit the market on July 1st. And yes, he is a defenseman that's coming up right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Hunter Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. You can also visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today. To get started. So the player that I'm going to get into here for the first segment is someone that I have gotten a lot of requests for, whether it's via YouTube commenters, whether it's people that have slid into my DMs, or whether it's some of my friends that have listened to the show. This is a player that I've gotten a lot of requests slash questions on, and it is none other than New Jersey Devils defenseman Ryan Graves, the second best defenseman on the free agent market, at least in my opinion, behind Dmitry Orlov and someone who I think makes a lot of sense for the Penguins. He's coming off a really solid year for the Devils. Eight goals, 26 points in 78 games. This was his second season in New Jersey after he was traded by Colorado in the summer of 2021. And his eight goals would have been second among all Penguins defensemen this past season, only behind Chris Letang. And that is something I will continue to harp on until Dubas makes changes to the defensemen. They need to have a decor that has more offense behind it. I'm sorry. 90% of your offense can't be coming from 35, 36-year-old Chris Letang. You need other people to contribute offensively from your back end. Graves is someone who can definitely do that, especially considering the points he had this season and the way that he plays in the offensive zone. Digging into the numbers, when he was on the ice this season, the Devils absolutely thrived. They had 52% of the shot attempts, 58% of the actual goals, 54% of the scoring chances, 57% of the high danger chances, and, excuse me, 54% of the high danger goals for that high danger area. Remember, 5 to 10 to 15 feet out from the net mouth. When I watched the tape over the last 24 to 48 hours, I saw a player who walks the blue line beautifully and also fires a lot of pucks to the net. He doesn't do it blindly, but he does it enough where a lot of the shots get through and they, they, the Devils got good scoring chances slash goals out of it. Heck, before he even joined the Devils, he had a knack of doing that. Back in 2021, out of all defensemen who played in over 500 minutes, he was fifth in the league in 15 shot attempts per 60 minutes. You can see why when you watch the tape. He fires a lot of pucks to the net. He is not shy about doing that at all. And to be frank... Penguins could use a lot more of that because outside of Latang and P.O. Joseph, not many of the defensemen this past season fired the puck to the net a lot from the point. They would be a little too patient with it and cough it up, either maybe dump it in as well. Puck would be going back the other way. But Graves, he's not like that. He is a lot more patient at the blue line and he's able to get the puck through and not have it be you know blocked by about 500 bodies at the front of the net. 
Also, another thing I noticed when I was watching the film with him, if you give him time and space when he's coming down the left or right side of the ice, good night. He has an electric shot, whether it's his wrist one, his snap one, or especially his slap shot. He can fire the puck from anywhere, especially coming down the left or right side of the ice on like an odd man situation, or even in a situation where he has room to shoot. He will score, I would say, seven out of 10 times. That is how good of a shot he has. So his offensive capabilities are very strong. Defensively, he's better than Shane Gossespear, who ranks in the lower third of the league when it comes to five-on-five defense. Graves still is still ranks in the bottom half, not the bottom third. He's better than Gossespear. He's not going to kill you, I think is my best way of saying it. I do think you're going to get someone who is a lot more physical. When I was watching him, he can lay the body extremely well. He is very good at separating a player from the puck with a hit, taking the puck, and rushing out of the defensive zone, going the other way for scoring chances. He is very good at doing that. He's also very good at puck retrieval in the defensive zone. When the opposition was dumping the puck in, he was always first to get back, had no trouble breaking the puck out. I think that's going to be another part of his game that really keeps intensifying, even though he's a bit older now, he's 28. I think he can really be an asset in that department if he were to join the Penguins. So there's really nothing to not like when it comes to Ryan Graves. The one big thing that's going to be the kicker here is his contract. So he made $3.2 million over the past couple of seasons with the Devils. A daily faceoff projection had him at five times 5.1. That was at the end of May before Kyle Dubas was hired. That was also before the Vatislav Gabrikov extension. Well, Gabrikov, I think, is going to throw that number in the trash because he just signed a short-term extension with the Kings where he will be getting $5.875 million per season. In my humble opinion, I think Graves is a better defenseman than Gabrikov. I think he's better offensively. I think he's better in the defensive zone. And with that, I think he's going to look at that deal and say, hey, why don't I ask for this? Or why don't I ask for a little bit more? And to be frank, I think he might get more than that. Would Kyle Dubas be comfortable giving Ryan Graves something like a five times six, five times 6.25, Heck, even six, you know, five times 5.8, somewhere in that ballpark. Would he be comfortable, especially considering Jeff Petrie is still on the books right now for two more seasons at 6.25 million per year? I, I don't know. I think you would probably have to move Petrie in that instance because do you really want a second pairing, <clears throat> assuming they do keep Petrie and they would put Graves on the second pairing, maybe move just in this hypothetical, Pedersen would be with Latang. So bear with me here. And then if you got Graves, Graves and Petrie, would you really want a second pair that's making a combined 11 and a half, 12 million? I I don't know. I probably not if I had to lean one way or the other, but that's the big kicker when it comes to if the Penguins will go after this player. He's very talented. The defensive market is very thin, but I do question whether or not Kyle will think about is this the term I want? Is this the money I want to spend? Because you have to spend your cap space wisely. Even though the Penguins only have $20 million in cap space right now, and that could go up to $24 million if they do buy out Mikhail Gramland, you still have to spend that cap space very, and I mean 
very wisely. So let me know what you think about Ryan Graves down in the YouTube comments. You can also send me a DM on social media. Do you think he will be a good option for the Penguins? What sort of contract would you give him? He's at least the number two defenseman on the market, but with how few there are defensemen that is, and with how the asking prices are going to be, heck, I, I read a rumor that Demetri Orlov may ask for seven and a half to eight million per year. What's Graves going to get? It's it, it's going to be steep. And, and if Kyle doesn't want to go down that road, he'll have to figure out something else. But he is still very much an option, I think, for the Penguins. I really enjoyed getting into his film and looking at the numbers. He is someone that I think it I like a little bit more after diving into <clears throat> watching him play a bit more. So that wraps up this first segment. Coming up in the second segment for this episode, who is my dream pick at number 14 if the Penguins were to keep the pick and not trade it before next Wednesday's NHL draft? That's coming up after this short break. But before we get into that, we do have to discuss the official sports betting partner of Locked On, which is FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Do not miss your chance to snag a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. That is FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball and Locked On. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Elements for Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So who is my dream selection for the Penguins with the number 14 overall pick? Look no further than Zach Benson. He may scare some of those quote-unquote hockey men people away or other scouts and other people who follow the draft just because of his size and his weight. He's only 5'10", 159 pounds for reference. I weigh more than him, which is crazy because I am an absolute twig. But do not let that fool you. He is a wizard with a puck on his stick. When I was watching him, I loved the vision that he had on the ice. He was always making the right play with a puck on his stick. He also could read what was going to happen 20 to 25 seconds in advance and know where a player was going to be on the ice at that exact moment. Feed that person the puck, boom, puck goes in the back of the net. I saw that countless times when I was going over the film, watching some of his games over the past few days when I was getting together my big board. I like his shot. Could use a little bit of work, but it's still really nice. Had 98 points in 60 games in the WHL this season, second to only Connor Medard. His 36 goals were also a career high, as were his points. I think in any other draft, he would be a top five selection. There's an outside chance that he goes top five here, but I personally don't think he's going to. Most Scouting websites have him as, you know, number seven, number eight, number nine, number 10, towards the late stages of the top 10. But also countless others have him slipping out of the top 10. If he slips down to number 14 with the Penguins, if I'm Dubas, I am running up there to select him. I absolutely love this kid as a player. He's also good away from the puck. Numerous times when I was watching him, I would saw him make Really small, underrated defensive plays in 
the defensive end, whether it was you know, just getting a stick in the shooting lane as a forward a few times, whether it was pinning someone to the glass and getting the puck out of their feet and going the other way, all that plus so much more. He has a very high compete level, very high hockey IQ. He is a very, and I mean a very smart player. Could use a little bit of work on his skating. He's not the fastest skater in the draft. For example, I think someone like an Oliver Moore is a bit faster as a skater. Actually, I would say Oliver Moore is probably the best pure skater in this draft. So he's not at that level, but it's still good enough where I think he can really burn some people. A couple of things that I do think he needs to work on, just bulking up a little bit, 159, that's a little light. He was getting pushed around a little bit too much on the ice. But I think you know that's going to come when he gets a little heavier, maybe a bit taller, all that good stuff. And sometimes he would rush decisions, excuse me, a little bit on the ice. If he can take some time, be a little more patient with the puck on his stick, I think that'll also pay huge dividends down the line as well. My personal comp to him, I see a lot of Braden Point in this player, just especially with the build, the way he plays with the puck on his stick, the way he shoots the puck. Brain points also really strong in the defensive zone. That's someone I think he that's the high end in terms of a comp. He's also been, you know, compared to Jonathan Marcheseau, who is a very good scorer in the league. Lucas Raymond as well. Those are two pretty solid players in the NHL. He would instantly become the Penguins' best prospect they've had since they selected Derek Pouliot in the Jordan Stall trade. And I know Derek Pouliot did not turn out to be. All that inspiring, I totally understand it. But at the time, he was considered to be one of the top prospects in the NHL. I think Benson, the same thing will happen here. He will he will be their best prospect since then. Easily will be their best prospect in the system. Honestly, any player they take at number 14 overall, if they do keep the pick, my friends, is going to blow away any options they had at last year's draft. Whether that was Lane Hudson, whether it was Owen Pickering, who they did end up selecting, or countless others, this draft is just that much deeper. That's that, that is how it is, my friends. And I mean no disrespect to Hudson or Pickering. I mean, Hudson would have been the better pick looking back on it now because he's had a better year de- developing-wise. Pickering is a fine player, but these players that they will have available to them potentially, including Benson, wow. It is night and day. Anyone, whether it's Benson, Gabriel Perot, Oliver Moore, Nate Danielson, all those blow Owen Pickering away. And again, that's no slight to him. So that is my dream pick with the number 14 overall selection. Of course, we have to see if Kyle Dubas wants to keep the pick. There are only two ways that I am trading this pick. Number one, for immediate help, whether that's a top six forward, whether that is a top four or top pairing defenseman, whether that is a starting goaltender. And then the other way that's not immediate help is trading down a little bit in the draft, which Davis has liked doing throughout his career as an executive and ridding yourself of a contract, whether that's maybe Jeff Petrie or Mikhail Granlin. Otherwise, I want them to make this pick and start to restock the pipeline. I understand the Penguins are in win-now mode. I totally get that. But at some point, you are going to need to see a sign of like the next wave coming through, especially as Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Crystal Tang start getting 
you know, even older than they already are. They're already in their mid-30s, but they're going to be 40 before you know it. So I'm not just trading this pick for craps and gigs. I'm not going to be doing what Jim Rutherford did a few years ago. Remember when he traded that first-round pick to get Ryan Reeves after the Penguins won back-to-back Stanley Cups. You can't just trade it for the sake of trading it. You have to have a valid reason, whether it's immediate help or trading down and ridding yourself of a contract. If you can't do any of those two things or you're not comfortable doing any of those two things, you don't like the asking prices on the players, you don't like what else you'll have to include in in a mock trade, just make the selection. Someone like Benson, if he falls, makes all the sense in the world for the Penguins. He is everything they could use in the next couple of years. And I know their window is right now and in the following season, but he would be so much fun to watch towards the tail end of the Crosby Malkin era. And honestly, the few other players that I mentioned, you know, whether it's Gabe Perot, Oliver Moore, Nate Danielson. I'll put Braden Jaeger in there as well. Those players are, all, are also at the top of my board. They're set up to get someone really good in this year's draft if they, if they keep the pick. So want to touch on all of those things for this second segment and go into who my dream selection is for the Penguins. That wraps up this segment, though. Coming up to end the show, we're going to get into Tom Barrasso finally getting inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's something that has eluded him for a while, but this is very well-deserved for one of, if not the best, goaltender in franchise history. So that's coming up right after this break. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on <clears throat> all platforms. So the 2023 Hockey Hall of Fame inducting class, or induction class, I should say, excuse me, was announced today. And Tom Barrasso is part of it, former Pittsburgh Penguins goaltender. Congratulations to Tom. He is the 15th Penguin player to be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, helped them win their Stanley Cups in 1991-1992, also won a Vezina during his career, won the Calder Trophy, won a Jennings Trophy, came runner-up for a couple of other years with the Vezina, had over 300 wins during his career, 369 to be exact, 38 shutouts, spent 12 seasons with the Penguins, and won 226 games for them. You can easily make an argument that he is the best goaltender in the franchise history. Me personally, I will still always go with Marc-Andre Fleury, but I'm also biased because I watched him growing up. But for the people that are a bit older than me that tune into this show, I am sure plenty will go with Barrasso, and that's a fine choice. When you think of the Pittsburgh Penguins, you don't have to go too far down before you name Tom Barrasso as one of the most important people in franchise history. He was an outstanding goalie. His numbers may not have been that good when you look at them today. 892 career save percentage, 3.24 goals against average. But I will also argue that he played in a completely different era where scoring was way up than it is now. And though scoring has gone up the, the previous few seasons, but it wasn't at the level that we saw back in the late 80s, back in the early 90s, before the Devils and the Panthers really started to trap and all that. The fact that he put up those numbers is honestly nothing short of a little bit of a miracle, to be honest. And he was also, I think, 
one of, if not the best puck handling goalie in NHL history, has the most points among goalies in NHL history. Anytime he would come out of the net, you knew that he was going to make something special happen. And I know I wasn't alive to really watch him in his prime, but I've watched enough old games over the years to appreciate how great of a goalie he was. This was a long time coming. Congratulations to Tom, the 15th member of the Pittsburgh Penguins, player-wise. 21st total when you combine players and builders, because there's a builder category as well, to be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. So congrats, Tom. Very well-deserved. One of, if not the best goaltender in franchise history. <clears throat> Other players that got um, inducted in the Hockey Hall of Fame, you saw Henrik Lundqvist got in. No surprise there. P- people were like mad about this for some reason that, oh, he was getting in first ballot. I don't know why people think that's a big deal. Henrik Lundqvist, I think, is the best goaltender of this generation. And I'll say a hot take for you all here. Some people may not like this. I think Henrik Lundqvist is a top five to top seven goalie of all time. I'll say it. Look at the numbers. He carried a lot of those Rangers teams and honestly did not have many good defensive groups. And he had Dan Girardi playing top pairing minutes. His other best defenseman at times was Ryan McDonough. Ryan McDonough, good defenseman, especially in his prime, but he's never really been a number one dude. He took the Rangers to the cup final ones. It's not his fault that they ran into a complete buzzsaw of the Kings team, took them to the conference final. A couple of other times, he is the best of this generation and I think a top five to top seven goalie of all time. A couple others that got in, Coach Ken Hitchcock, coached the St. Louis Blues for a long time. Mike Vernon also got in. And the big snub, I think it's an absolute joke that he is not in, is Alexander McGillney. I don't understand how, how McGillney is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's only just one of the five best Russian players to ever play the game. <laughs> I mean, he's, and this has not just been going on for this year. He's been snubbed for a lot of previous years in terms of the Hockey Hall of Fame. McGillney is absolutely spectacular. Finished his career with almost 500 goals, 473 to be exact, 1,032 points, had eight 30 goal seasons during his career, one of which he scored 76 goals with the Buffalo Sabres in 1993. He was unbelievable. He's fourth all time in points in terms of all Russian players. How is he not in the Hockey Hall of Fame? What are we doing here, people? Please induct him in next season. He's one of the best Russian players to ever do it. He will always go down as one of the best Russian players to ever play in the NHL. Sergey Gonchar, he was also not put in this year. I do think Gonch is eventually going to get in. He put up really good numbers in the quote-unquote dead puck era. What that is, obviously, that was the trap with the Panthers and the Devils and a couple of other teams who really wanted to just play low event hockey. Then after that, when the scoring started to go up again, he put up more numbers. Played with obviously with the Pittsburgh Penguins, played with the Washington Capitals, played with a couple other teams. He has always, I think, been underappreciated by the hockey community. When he was in his prime, there were not many better defensemen in the league than him. And I do think his time is coming. Maybe next year, maybe after that, but I'm I'm still I'm so tired of you know McGillney not being in the Hall of Fame. Please 
induct him in next season. There is no reason for him to not be in the Hall of Fame right now. But that will do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I really appreciate all of you listening slash watching this one. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Thursday. We'll continue to cover things relating to the draft, potential trade rumors, other player profiles for free agency, all that, plus so much more coming up for the Thursday episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast and Friday and heading into next week. It's going to get really busy really soon here, 10 days until free agency. Keep it right here on Lockdown Penguins for everything relating to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So again, thank you all so much for listening slash watching. Really appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Thursday.